You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. We're in December, and uh, we're moving towards Christmas, where we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, and This morning, we're continuing in our series um, where Jesus uh, says these I am sayings, uh, all seven of them. And, uh, you know, we've looked over the last couple of weeks, um, I am the bread of life. Taryn's talked about that, talking about he is our sustenance, our fulfillment, our fuel in life, if you like. I am the light of the world. as well, the truth, the enlightenment, the revelation, that we don't need to stumble around in the dark. Chuck recently did one on, I'm the gate. Uh, In other words, he's saying, I am the way, the truth. Um, I'm I'm the entrance into something better, a new life. And these declarations and sayings are visual pictures of God's promises. St. John, who wrote the the gospel where uh, he writes about these I am sayings, he's desperately uh, trying to reveal the truth and uh, and the true nature of who God is in Christ and for us to understand them. And so with every um, I am saying, there's a compelling invitation for us to experience them for ourselves which is really, really great. So we're going to open up the Bible. We're going to read from John chapter 10. Um, and we're going to kick off in verse uh, 11, but I'm just going to read just the sentence before it because it's really uh, good and important. Jesus says this. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I mean, what a brilliant promise that is. And then he goes on and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I've received from my father The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, oh, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, hey, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can demons open the eyes of the blind? I am the good shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but I... um, I make associations in life. In other words, um, certain smells, noises, uh, music, and in particular, food. Like, it's funny, um, whenever I eat boiled potatoes, it sounds ridiculous, I am transported 
back into my childhood, sitting on the side of a lake in Kashmir. We had a holiday there, which was extraordinary. And, uh, but lunchtime, they always gave us boiled potatoes. Um, and so I have this association. Another one is this, whenever I eat salt and vinegar um, chipsticks, I am transported straight back to sitting in front of an electric fire in my nan's living room watching telly. A lovely memory and an association. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, when he says shepherd, everybody listening would have an immediate association. Um, and it's all about leadership, but not just any old leadership, but the spiritual leadership of God's people. Those called and anointed to lead the nation of Israel, to go before them and to bring the people of God, the nation of God, if you like, into all that God has for them, to guide them, to protect them uh, and to protect them from apostasy. So there's two things as I read that passage, two things that are probably quite helpful to understand in the context of when Jesus says, um, I am the good shepherd. In John 9 and into 10, Jesus is having a very robust conversation with the spiritual leaders of the day, the shepherds of the day, if you like, the Pharisees. And he's healed a man that was born blind um, and he's healed him on the Sabbath. I mean, number one, it's amazing. Like this guy is like, I'm, I, I, can, I was blind and now I can see. But the Pharisees, are all deeply bent out of shape because um, he's healed him on the Sabbath. And in verse 41 of the previous chapter, um, it kind of lands by Jesus saying to the shepherds of the day, the Pharisees, he says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you see, your guilt remains What's going on there? He's really saying, because you claim you can see and claim that you recognize God's voice, claim that you're, um, you, 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 you know him, but the reality is Jesus was healing the sick and declaring the good news. And these were all signs, signs that God was doing something new. And they were pushing back and rejecting that. And so he's saying, Guys, you're being blind to what God is doing. And so there's that uh, context. But also, uh, this whole discourse around leadership is happening just before a festival, uh, or, or even during, some commentators would say it was during the festival of Hanukkah, uh, which is an eight-day winter festival, uh, celebrating the uprising in 160 BC led by Judah Maccabees, who retook Jerusalem and retook the temple back from the Greeks, where three, uh, in 332 BC, Alexander the Great conquered the Jewish nation and assimilated it into the ranks of his empire. And so the context around leadership is this, is that they're, in, they're celebrating a short-lived win, if you like, by, by this festival. And at the same time, uh, while celebrating, it would raise a whole load of questions around leaders and uh, begging the question around 
how how on earth could uh, history be repeating itself again where alexander came in and it's because the lead like god's uh, i guess because uh, israel's history was when there was good leaders, God blessed them. When there was poor leaders, indifferent leaders, corrupt leaders, uh, they were known as false shepherds. Then it was like God's hand, his presence kind of was taken off Israel. And then things like um, they were taken into exile by the Babylonian Empire. Uh, here we, they're, they're celebrating the fact that uh, Judah uh, retook Jerusalem but the Greeks had actually um, invaded them. And then think about the context of all of this. Here are our people hoping for freedom again with the Roman Empire um, overseeing everything in that day. And so look at this. When you read verses 11 to 14 and he's talking about the wolf coming in, Jesus is making a commentary, isn't he, on Israel's leadership on the history and, 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 and what's actually happened over that time. So when Jesus says, no, no, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the good shepherd, what are people hearing? I'm not just another leader, I'm a good leader. And I come from a tradition of faithful shepherds in our history. It's a bit like suddenly that, Whenever I hear a particular song on the radio, um, it, was, it was back in 1994, and uh, this particular song immediately takes me back to when Victoria and I, my wife now, uh, were just beginning to date. When, when they hear Good Shepherd, they, they, they would have been, people would have been transported back to the hope of what happened with Moses and what happened with David, the two great shepherds of Israel. And so Moses, let's just think about Moses for a few minutes. Moses and David both led Israel into the promises and the blessings of God. As a shepherd would lead sheep to good pasture, they did that. Moses, after his spell in Egypt, he had 40 years shepherding sheep in the wilderness. And then he meets his destiny at the burning bush, doesn't he? This reluct, uh, uh, reluctant yet obedient shepherd returns to Egypt following God's commands, com confronts the oppressive powers of his day the pharaoh of his day if you like the wolf of the day and he says let my people go and so with moses comes god's manifest presence his manifest power his uh, uh, with moses comes god's intervention and through moses's leading through his obedience and his devotion he leads this nation out of slavery and he leads them into all that God had promised. Can you hear what Jesus was saying? I have come to give you life in all its fullness. This is the imagery, and, and it's a powerful imagery. Moses out in, frock, in front and the flock following. And we see that he's leading. The depth of Moses' leading, the nature of his leading is totally reliant on God. You could maybe say this, 
that the great leaders, the great shepherds, that the depth of their following determined the nature and the power of their leading. And so we have Moses out front following all of what God has been saying to him, you know, uh, and leading them out of danger into and towards the blessings of God. But it's not all rosy. This is the thing about these guys and their stories that, you know, and often when we look back in time, we all think it's brilliant. But, you know, Moses led this generation out, but the generation that he led out, that generation never made it into the promised land. Why? Because they consistently rejected Moses' leadership and pushed back against God's commands. They grumbled and they disobeyed and they kicked against. And let's just think about it for a minute. This was a generation that had witnessed God's intervention and power in a way that no other generation had seen um, before. It was absolutely remarkable. Think about the plagues, the pillar of fire that they followed and the pillar of cloud during the day and directing them. They watched the parting of the Red Sea and then they crossed it on dry land. I mean, this generation saw um, a kingdom event, a power event like no other. Then they, get, he, they were given bread in the desert, manna to eat, you know, God sustained them time and time again, and, and yet they still pushed back. And it's so sad that they missed out. They couldn't see. In fact, it says at one point that some of the flock definitely bit back, if you like. In fact, at one point, Moses, is, um, they nearly tried to kill Moses. They tried to stone him at one point. Um, and so... When we think back and when the people hearing Good Shepherd, they will and they hunger for a Moses kind of person, but they've forgotten that there was also a generation that rejected him at the same time and they didn't make it. It's powerful, isn't it? Can you see the irony of what's going on here? As Jesus says, I'm a good shepherd. And so looking at their current situation, they'd be also, you know, with Rome kind of, uh, invading and, 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 and putting them under subjugation. They're going, oh, we need not just a Moses to lead us into something new. We need a David that's going to deal with a, our present Goliath. And so in 1 Samuel 16 and 17, we see this and we celebrate, don't we, the great story of a shepherd boy who became the shepherd king, who walked out and defeated Goliath with just a sling. Don't we all love that story? My dad used to tell me that story as a little boy. And I, I just, we just, we all love it. We all want to be David, especially lads. We're like, yes, the underdog, you know, and that, that, that saying, you know, it's a David and Goliath moment has now become synonymous with any kind of underdog moment, you know, beating, um, you know, I don't know, uh, a better team or a more um, prestigious team, if you like, certainly in the World Cup or in football or in other sporting events. And so we have here them thinking and associating back to the shepherd boy, defeating the enemy, freeing Israel. But that shepherd boy, there's a shadow story as well. That shepherd boy was rejected by his own brothers. The spiritual leader of the day, Saul, 
King Saul grew in jealousy and insecurity and ultimately on a number of occasions tried to kill David, the one that had defeated Goliath. We forget that the reason that David was anointed by Samuel was because Saul, the shepherd of the day, had lost sight of his own shepherd God. Saul was no longer following well. His insecurities, his fears, uh, self-preservation and the satisfying of other people's opinions had become the voice and the voices that he was following. And that would lead the nation into disaster. And it says, and so the spirit of God left him and God had prepared another one, David, to come and take his place, which is so God raises up another after his own heart, forged in the fields, forgotten by uh, his brothers, misunderstood by his brothers. Um, but here he raises up a David who, who doesn't trust in his own ability, but he is fully reliant on his shepherd. You know, here's another Moses character, a David character, who is leaning on and relying on God in a beautiful beautiful way and when you read the David and then the Saul story we find that Saul has many opportunities to hand over the kingdom to David that's what the people want it's clear that God that's where we're going and there was many opportunities for Saul to come under David's reign but time and time again he chooses not to and he misses out. Can you feel the irony in what's being said as Jesus says, I am the good shepherd into the context of what is going on all around him? Because these great shepherds both have these sort of shadow stories, this hope story and the promise story of being brought into something new and enemies being defeated. And yet there's this underlying current of their peers and even the spiritual leaders of the day rejected and pushed back. And here we have current leaders doing exactly the same with Jesus this division that's in the text that we've looked at. And we know that David goes on to inaugurate this incredible golden age in Israel's history, followed by his son Solomon, where I guess the people would see that as like the sort of, um, I don't know, the pinnacle of Israel's reign, where Solomon and Israel's borders were now secure. David had kind of... Um, his reign had created peace in the land. At Solomon's wisdom, if you like, was um, a sign that God was with him. And the land and the people were being blessed to such a degree that foreigners then would come to Israel to understand and to learn and to grow and to connect with not only Solomon, but with Solomon's God. It suddenly becomes a moment in Israel's history where Abraham's promise that Israel will become a light to the nations is actually happening. So this is the context. This is all of what's going on. And I'm saying all of this is because, you know, as Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's not just saying, I am a shepherd. I am the, he's saying, I am the shepherd. I am. 
and we've kind of heard it before. But he's actually quoting, he's referring, he's pulling the past into the present. He's saying, when Moses met God at the bush, at the burning bush, and Moses asked the question, who are you? God answered, I am that I am. Jesus is saying exactly, and he's using the same words. The nation of Israel is asking Jesus, who are you? And Jesus is saying, I am, I am. Wow. He's saying, I am the God that met Moses at the bush. I am he who went with him into to Egypt. I am the one that brought the plagues. I am the one that was in the pillar of fire and cloud. I am the one that parted the Red Sea. I am the provider of manna. I, am, I was there and now I'm here to do the same. I am what I was with David. I'm the one that directed the stone that took out Goliath. I was with him then, and I am here now, present. I am. I am. I am your bread of life. I am the light that shines in the dark. I am the leader. I am the shepherd who wants to lead you into good things. I am here to confront the wolf of the day, the enemy of the day, but it's not Rome. It's been the enemy that was the one behind Pharaoh, the one that was behind and, uh, and motivating Goliath. I am here to deal with Satan and sin and death. I have come up from my father's house in Bethlehem. I mean... We are moving towards Christmas and here is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. He's, and he's saying, I have come like David, who's come from his father's house in Bethlehem to deal with the enemy. Wow, what a moment. No wonder people are divided. But into that, he's saying, but those who know me, those who recognize God's voice, through history, will know that I am he. There's a resonance with um, his voice. And so we begin to see that. He says, I know, um, I know my sheep and the sheep know me, just as my father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen and I must bring them also. And so this lovely, layered imagery going on here. Moses leads people out of something and into something. Jesus is saying, I want to lead you out of sin and death and corruption and into life and integrity and a new kind of future. David defeats Goliath and brings peace into the land. He's saying, Jesus is saying, I am. You're hoping for another David. I am that David. I'm here now and I'm going to deal with Goliath and I'm going to bring peace into your lives and into your heart. What a message for us today. See, Jesus, the good shepherd has come. And in that moment, 
he's saying that to them, but he's also saying that to us. I have come to deal with sin and death. And we know that not long after saying all of these things, he goes to the cross and he dies. He lays down his life for the sheep, us, all of humanity. But death cannot hold him. And he rises up. And everything that he proclaimed prior to his death is like, wow, that is true. And so for you and me, not, and not just the Jews, we can be brought into a relationship. This is now, he said, I want to lead you not into a new land, geo, a geographical land. He said, I want to lead you into a new, beautiful kind of relationship that will give you peace because the enemy has been defeated. You don't have to struggle with sin and, and, and the consequences of that anymore. I want to bring you into peace and the shalom of God. I want to bring you into right relationship with my father. And there he refers to that. He says that the shepherd and the sheep have a relationship, but you can have a relationship like me, the one that I have with the father. It's like a parent and a child, a father and a son and a deep intimacy. People are longing, when they hear Good Shepherd, they're longing to be led into all of life, goodness of life. When Jesus said it then, and he's saying it to you and me today, I, want, I came, I am the Good Shepherd, and I want to lead you into life in all its fullness. And so I wonder today, as I just wrap up, for some of us, let's not try and lead our own lives anymore. Let's not be led by other people's opinion. Let's be led by the good shepherd. Because he's the one that's defeated sin and death. He's been raised to life. He promises eternity, not just for tomorrow, but something of that eternity to break into our lives today, bringing unbelievable peace in the chaos of life. Today, the good shepherd says, hey, follow me and I'll bring you into good life. And so we pray, Father, for, we pray for ourselves this morning and we pr I pray for all of you watching and listening that something of the truth of what Jesus said, I am, I am the one that's in the Bible, that I am the one with you right now. And he's the one, Jesus, you're the one that can lead us. And so we want to follow you. We want to listen to your voice. We want to take on your teaching. And we thank you for the promise that you will, there is a blessing to be had as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.